Thank you for your eternal will. Thank you for the light that shines in the darkness. The Bible says the darkness cannot understand it. We thank you for the grace that you have placed upon us as your people. That the days ahead of us are better days. That the best of our lives are yet to be lived. Lord, the things which you have stored up for us are far beyond human comprehension. The scripture says, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither has he entered into the hearts of men what the Lord has prepared for them that love him. For God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Part of the things you are revealing is things that have been shared tonight. Lord, by the eyes of the spirit, we know that today is inferior to our tomorrow. Lord, what we are today is an apology to where you're taking us. We're confident in this very fact that he that has begun the good work in us is able to complete it. We thank you, our Father. Tonight, let your word come with grace, with accuracy. Let it be a blessing to everyone in this place. Let the power to do be released according to your word tonight. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. You've been teaching us on prayer. Lord, transform our individual lives. Transform us as a corporate body, as a people that through prayers, through dedication to your truth and to your word, we will win this generation for you. Lord, we will overcome the odds and the, and the, and the, and the walls of the enemy. And through your grace in our lives, we will take territories for you. Blessed be your name, our Father. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And the church said amen tonight. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, the scripture says, Why the earth remains? Why the earth remains? Tonight I'm glad to announce to us that this ram as a lifespan. Everything that we see in existence is but for a season. While the earth remains, God is the creator of all that we see. Being the maker and the creator, he understands how the system runs. He knows that what you see has a timeline. While the earth remains. In other words, what I'm about to say to you will continually be as long as this earth remains. He mentioned three particular interfering dichotomies. It's a seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Day and night will not cease. What is he saying? He's saying as long as as this earth remains, 
these principles, these experiences will continue to be by the power of my covenant. Church, let me say this to us today. There are things in the world in which we live in, they change, they evolve, they improve. But there are certain principles in God's word. They are life principles. They cannot change because they were instituted by God. How many of us have noticed even in fashion? I remember seeing many years, even as a young person, the, the days when people used to wear James Brown. We remember those trousers. What? JB. And then baggy. And then things started to evolve. Because they are bound to change. Not only that, that may be looking a little bit ephemeral, but I have languages. There used to be a time when our words were ruled by the, Greek, by the Greek. Most parts of the world, you spoke Greek. And most spoke Latin. But language also started to evolve. Even English that we speak evolves. Even science evolves. How many of us remember when we were having, in our high school, we learned about geography. That some scientists believed that the earth was like a table at the beginning. Aunt Eleman said, well, and they believe that if you continue to travel by the sea, at some point, you're going to drop down into a ditch. But one man said, I'm going to try it. He traveled and came back to say the earth is spherical. It is not a table after all. That belief was heard by some people, some scientists, for a long time. So things evolve. Knowledge evolves. Knowledge increases. But the Bible says, why the earth remains. There are principles that cannot be altered. They will not change. And you know, before I leave this scripture tonight, it also occurred to me that it's important for the church to know that where we are living in is not our home. This word, the Bible's in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, it shall be burnt with fervent heat. Have we read that before? It will what? Burnt with fervent heat. It will soon be over. And that's why tonight we're about to share what I call the key fundamental requirements in receiving a miracle from God. The fundamental requirements in receiving miracles from God. These requirements don't change. If we follow the procedure, there will be a result. Hallelujah. There will be what? A result. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read. 2 Kings chapter 5. In verse 1, I'm going to read down. It says, Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. 
Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captives a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Verse 3. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he will heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl, who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought a letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when the letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him, of his leprosy. I like that. You wanted a healing and you were threatening. <laughs> you better heal it when it comes to you. A letter to the wrong place. To the king. I'm reading verse 7. And it happened. When the king of Israel read the letter. That he tore his clothes and said. Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard the, that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. And he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and he had the leprosy. Interesting. Verse 12. Are not the Abana and Fapa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, Will you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, as the Lord leaves before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, then if now, 
Please let your servant be given two moon loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in these things may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple at, of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. So he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. God is a God of miracle. With God, nothing is impossible. God does not respond just to needs. He responds to principles of his kingdom. That is why we mentioned at the beginning why the earth remains. In other words, this is the governing principle on earth. You're asking God to do something in your life. We must understand the prerequisites as laid down in his words. Here is a fascinating story of a man who was honorable among his people and before his master. A man who was considered to be a good man. He was an army general. He was well known. He had status. He had relevance where he lived. But he was a leper. There was a need in his life that his position could not take away. There was a need in his life that money could not remove. There was a need in his life that the dexterity of his understanding of war could not remove. There was a need in his life that his master was incapable of handling. I am very persuaded tonight that this was not the first attempt by Naaman, nor by the king, Ben-Hadad is his name, to get Naaman healed of this deliberating sickness. Many of us know what leprosy is. Leprosy was considered to be a curse from God in those days. It was considered among many of those men to be a spell from the gods. It's a way to eradicate a man without killing. It's an instrumental killing because this man was a time bomb. It was just a time. It was a matter of time. He was going to die anyway. He was going to, he was going to die instrumentally. And it was such a disease that came with shame. A leper. As a matter of fact, among the Jews, a leper was not considered to live among men. They were ostracized. I don't know why. Maybe because of his military strength or maybe because of the, of the culture among the Syrians, he wasn't supposed to live in living among people. But somehow, Naaman was an army general. And I believe he has made several attempts to get himself killed. But there was no solution. But in one of the 
escapades and in one of the times that they went on rampage, they had captive a little girl. Young little girl. As little as she was, she knew the God of Israel. I want to challenge us tonight. I know this is very difficult many times as parents. Our children will have what they need, but there is something else that our children must have. Because we do not know what tomorrow holds, we must be able to invest in our children what we know. Our children must have a true perspective of the God that we serve. This was not an isolated circumstance. Every Jew you meet, if there was anything that a Jew would do, they will invest in every child they have the God, the knowledge of the God of Israel. That's the first thing they, they were interested in. And many of our sisters need to learn this. That the first thing you want to do to your child, the clothings are all right. The beautification is okay. But the most important thing we must do is to invest God in the lives of those children. Because, listen, there are things that we can control. There are things we cannot control. Look, they did not know there was war coming. War came. This girl was taken away. But you see, you could reap her of what she had. Her parents, all the people that, was, you know, that surrounded her, but you could not take the God that she had from her. The same happened to, to Joseph. Joseph was in a strange land. But you see, he had a good concept of the God of Israel. That was why he did not betray the trust of his father and the trust that God had in him. Regardless of the suffering and the situation that he went through, he maintained his fellowship, he maintained his relationship with God. If there's anything I want to tell us today, I've mentioned this last week, the goal and the purpose of this assembly is to ensure that we all understand that there is a God in heaven who is interested in a relationship with his people. And we must individually begin to have relationship with God. That is what will last. I don't know where we're going to be tomorrow. But there's something that I know. If we know the God that we serve, we will survive every circumstance in life. The scripture says in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, the people that do know their God, they shall do exploit. They shall be strong and they shall do exploit. She knew the God she was serving. She was a little girl. She was brought to the master's house. When she got into that house, you can imagine, I could imagine her stature, a young, little, skinny girl. The first thing she noticed was that this man has a problem. He has a problem. And the solution to the problem was not in that city of Syria. Now, the solution to that problem was in the God of Israel. And she was bold and confident to say she was persuaded in her heart. She knew the God of Israel. She said to the, to the wife of the, of the man and said, listen, will it be that my master will go to the, to the prophet in Israel? It will heal him of this leprosy. I'm going to come there. There are seven things I'm going to leave with us tonight from the story we've just read. Number one. In life, I want us to observe these principles because they are, really, they are living principles. In life, humility precedes exhortation. I'll say it again. In life, 
it is critical to understand that humility precedes exhortation. God sometimes will allow us to go through some humiliating experiences in life to learn something big lessons of life. Some of us have been in places where we have been denied of what we're supposed to have. Some of us have gone through some difficult experiences in life. But God wants us to understand that the times of loneliness is not a time of denial. God is in the process of training and building our lives. Because you see, your tomorrow is greater than your today. But you see, the way you handle today will determine your tomorrow. I read in the scripture, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, humility comes before honor. That's what it says. It says humility comes what? before honor. Every experience that Naaman went through was for God to humble this man and to draw him closer to himself. I believe that his leprosy was not just leprosy. It was a leprosy to draw him closer to God. To cause him to see that indeed he was a Syrian, but yet... He needed to understand that even though he's a Syrian, there is a God who is the God of the universe. He's the God of the Syrian and he's the God of the Israelites. Hallelujah. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what language you speak. The God of Israel is the God of the whole world. The Bible says, God resists the proud. James chapter 4 verse 6. And gives grace. To the humble. The Bible says, Humble now thyself in the hand of the, of the it's, it's humble now thyself, in, in, you know, in the, in, under, the the, in, of the, under the hand of the mighty God, that he will exhort you in due season. When we humble ourselves in the hand of a mighty God, he will do what? He will exhort us. Promotion comes not from the east, not from the west, not from the south. But God is the judge of all. The book of Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says, God, you know, God, you know, God, God lowers the, 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 the proud and exalts the lowly. God knows what in the darkness and light dwells with him. God knows these times and ceases. He exalts kings. He enthrones kings. So in our lives, when we go through some subjective, submissive situations in life, it is not because God is not aware. It is because God wants to bring something out of us. Do you know you will never know who you are until you go through difficult times in life? How do we handle crisis time? How do we handle times when we have no solution to our experience? Number two lesson. Naaman had what we call religious prejudice. In reading through 2 Kings, I'm going to read verse 11 again. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, did you hear that? I, it was the man in need and it was the one that was cutting, calling the shot on how it was to be healed. In other words, I have a need and I know how to get it. Why did you come to the prophet in the first place if you knew how to get it? He said, I said to myself, uh, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the God, his God, and wave his hand. 
Naaman already had all the procedure that the prophet was going to go through to be healed. A prejudice. Do you know many times God wants us to know that he cannot be boxed. What God will do in a circumstance is not what he's going to do in another time. We need to understand the dynamics of the divine manifestations of God. God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. When God has decided to step into a situation, there are two circumstances that may look alike, but God will walk through it in different ways. Jesus healed the blind. You remember blind Bartimaeus. What did Jesus say to her? Arise, take up your, take up your skeleton. And, uh, sorry, yes, blind Bartimaeus. Jesus just lay hands on him, and then he, re he recovered his sight. But there was another man that was blind by the pool. Jesus spat on the ground, and placed it on his eyes and told him to go wash. Of course, it was an interesting story. The man washed and lifted up his and said, what do you see? The man said, I saw men as trees. You, said, That's not you, know, you mustn't see men as trees. You are a dangerous man if you see men as trees. Because if you see men as trees, you will cut them down. Right? <laughs> Jesus said, he gave him a second touch. Do you see now? Yes, I can see clearly. What am I saying? There are no specifics on how God can work in our lives. Listen. We hear testimonies every time. We understand how God works. We watch TV. We watch miracle services. But only God knows how he's going to work in your own circumstance. Hallelujah. God does not want us to be stereotyped. God does not want us to become boxed in a way by which he manifests himself. Naaman had a preconceived idea on how the miracle happened. But thank God for a man who knew his owners in the realm of the spirit, Elisha. He knew the mind of God. He knew how to connect with God. He said, stay out there. He didn't come out. I just pray the Lord will give us such prophets today. Men who know who they are. Men who know their God. Elisha said, go wash yourself in the water of Jordan. He said, I can't he come out. And at least speak to me. Let me see him. And wave his hands this way. This is beginning to look like the New Testament. How we wave our hands today. That wasn't the way God wanted to walk. Preconceived idea of how he was going to be here. Let me give us an example in the book of John chapter 4 verse 20. Many of us remember the Syrophoenician woman. Do you remember her? Syrophoenician woman. This is what she said. Jesus had an encounter with this woman. I'm just going to read verses 21. Sorry, 20 and 21. John chapter 4 verses 20 and 21. This is what Jesus said. No, this is what the woman said. In verse 19, and the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yes. In verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. That is the, that is the usual thing. He saw Jesus. What are you doing? You're a Jew. Uh, what are you talking about? Our father told us, our fathers worship here. And you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Hallelujah. When you will neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. He says, you worship what you do not know. In other words, you worship a God you don't even understand. The God I'm talking about is a spirit. The Bible says, it says, but now he's, when the true worshiper, the hour is coming. Now he's, when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. You will no more go to Jerusalem. Not that Jerusalem is bad, but he's saying, 
God is not going to be restricted to a place. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You will neither go to Jerusalem nor anyone on which mountain to worship him. When you call upon him, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. Two conditions. If you worship it in the spirit and if you worship it in the content of the truth and the criteria that is laid down by the word, God will be there in the midst of them. No wonder Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name. No specifics of a place. It says, where they are gathered, they are mine. We shared that last week. In the midst of them. Hallelujah. They are mine. Prejudice. Number three. That could be ethnic or racial or national prejudice. This man said in 2 Kings chapter 5 in verse 12. This is what Naaman said. And not the abanner and the farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Who asked him the question? He said, listen, Elisha, you want me to go to Jordan? Why Jordan? We got good rivers where I came from. The rivers are much better. We speak better language than you do. We are better people. There was a sense of ethnic and racial prejudice. All of these conditions usually enter the free flow of the power of God in manifesting in people's lives. But you know what I noticed? In my little time here in the United States, the love has no color. Hallelujah. Love is colorless. The Lord has privileged many people that I know who had been to places with people who look different than them, but because they were in their need, they did not see your color. In fact, they couldn't understand. The issue of accent was not a problem. Because they were in need. They were hoping and saying, yes, I'm ready. And the hand of God came upon them. And there was a miracle. Why? Because there was no prejudice of any kind. Prejudice, in whatever way we look at it, usually in that the free flow of the power of God. Because God honors people working together and breaking barriers that have hindered us from experiencing his glory and his power. God does not want any barrier in, of any kind. Do you know that God made us all? He made us to be unique in our own selves. God is not moved by the pigmentation of our skin. We're the same as far as it's concerned. If you read the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that I see sea of heads, nations, men of different languages, all worshiping in white apparel, worshiping the living God. They had no language. They had no special. That's why Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter 1, he said, neither Greek nor Jew. There was no need for any specific race to be given a special place before God. God loves us the same. Prejudice. I think it's also important to point out at this time, we've mentioned through neg three negatives that could hinder the free flow of the power of God in our lives. One of them, I, I repeat, humility. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord. If we want to see the hand of God manifesting in our lives, we need to know that even sometimes there are humiliating experiences of life that God allows so that we can understand his way and his path. Number two, religious prejudice. Uh, this is the way it is done. We have to get water for things to be done. It has to go through this procedure for things. No. Sometimes God manifests his miraculous power by speaking his word. 
you meet somebody at the corner of nowhere and you know they're sick and they need help. At that moment, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. God wants us to know that the power to bring change is on our lips. We do not have to go through the procedure that men go through. I shared a testimony with us here. Some years back, it was in a church, a big, massive assembly. I understand that time. There was a time when the man of God was to come to preach. And the whole place was packed, thousands of people. And this man was paralyzed. He was brought in a car to the side where the ushers were. The whole intent is that by the time the service starts, they will bring him in and put him in front so that the man of God as he begins to pray, the uncle of God will touch him. But somehow, God has placed a wonderful man who happened to be an usher, a brother. When they brought the man, they were about to, they, they opened the Mercedes Benz, it was a rich man. And they, they said, we want to just find our way in there. He said, what is the problem? This is the usher. They said, this man cannot walk, he's paralyzed. He said, no, he's not paralyzed. Oh, no, sir. He just walked in there and said, hey, hello, sir. Can you come out of the car? He said, what are you talking We said the man can't walk. He said, no, he's going to walk. The brother asked the man to walk out of the car. You know what happened? The strength, as he began to speak, strength began to come into the man's body. They have not seen, the whole crowd was there inside. The man, the man who was going to preach didn't know what was going on. The brother said, come out. Come out of the car. And the man, the man was struggling. As he was saying, come out. He didn't know who was speaking to him. He wasn't sure who the person is. He just stood. Do you know the man walked out of the car? They brought him. He's been in the hospital laying down without any help. God does not need title to walk. God needs men who understand the path of the spirit to walk. What am I saying? Let there be no religious prejudice. It is when we see our father in the Lord that this will be done. Those days are gone. God wants to walk through you and through me. Hallelujah. In our offices, God wants to walk through us. Number four. I also saw something in the life of this man. The, the four that I'm about to mention, they are positives. I, I observe from the life of Naaman that Naaman listened to his servants. Did you notice that? I'm going to read two verses. That will, in verse three, let's read together 2 Kings chapter 3. The Bible says, Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for it will heal him of his leper. The Bible says, and Naaman went to him and told his master. Naaman heard a little girl. You can imagine an army general and a girl, a slave girl that just came. Naaman did not see her as a slave girl. She saw, I mean, he saw her like an agent that was sent to him. Many times we miss the greatest miracles of God because we're expecting them from a source. And God usually works from unlikely sources. The people we sometimes despise are the people that God may want to use in our lives. The people we may consider insignificant to us are people that God may want to use in our lives. This little girl said, if he will go to see the prophet in Samaria, the Bible says, and Naaman went to his master and said exactly what the girl said to the man. He wasn't afraid what the king would say, but it's a little girl, it's just a slave girl. No. Verse 13, let me read also verse 13 to you. In verse 13, and his servant, this is not a girl, his servant, I'm sure the heads that came along with him, when he refused to go, to go and wash himself in the, in, the, in the river of Jordan, he was sent to the, to the prophet, why will I go there? There were other better rivers. In verse 13, the Bible says, and his servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, will you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and clean? And what did he do? 
so he went down. Everyone says, so he went down. This man did not disregard the counsel even of the servants. You know what it means to be an army general? And yet the heads, the lower officers were talking to him. Respond. It's a little issue. And he responded. I have also seen in our lives that there are people that God had placed in your life. Sometimes we need to be aware that God can speak through them. That there are certain needs in your life. Don't wait until you see people with, you know, with greater and bigger position to be able to respond. God may have put his word in their mouth. I have seen that one of the ways by which God speaks to me as a person is that there are times that are people around me, I'm very careful and I'm watchful and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? Because when they speak, I just will go back and think over it and pray over it. Is this your voice, Lord? Are you confirming what you have said to me through them? There are times in our lives like that. Always remember there are friends that were with you in the valley because this man went to fight with them. When you get to the mountain top, remain approachable. It's so difficult to remain approachable, particularly when you become known. When you have reached certain level of dignity in life, it's very difficult to become approachable. Have we noticed that many men of, you know, of timber and caliber, they say, they're very unapproachable. Nobody can talk to them. But this man, as great as he was, was very approachable. The servants had the confidence, the audacity to speak with him. I was reading a story about Ronald Reagan. About Ronald Reagan. You know, this, one of the foremost American presidents, we all appreciate him today, he's gone. You know, most of the people we celebrate are all dead people. He's gone. But it was said that this man, while he comes back, anytime he travels, those who were walking in the White House will be glad that he came back. They, normally when a boss comes, everybody tries to pretend as if they're walking, doing something busy. But this man, when he comes... Everybody's excited. They leave what they're doing. Daddy's back home. We want to go welcome him. That's the kind of a man he was. It was a kind, it was a different kind of leadership style that he had. The people, it was very approachable to the low and to the high. In our lives, that's one of the things the Lord wants us to see. That don't let us get to the level at which we become difficult, impossible people. Some of us have had an opportunity in life to, to have certain opportunities. God wants you to remain who you are. Remain humble. I'm not saying we should be foolish, but I'm saying God wants us to be approachable. Remain approachable. And I wrote down here, this is what opened the door of blessing to Nehemiah. Do we agree? That singular cancer was what opened the door of blessing to Nehemiah. Nehemiah could have remained leprous. He could have gone in annoyance back to Syria. The annoyance wouldn't settle the matter. He would have remained a leper. While he went back. But because he listened. Sometimes God will use our children to speak to us. Sometimes our spouses, God will give words to them. We need to listen. Sometimes a friend close who understands, you know, the, the mind of God speaks. You need, to you need to listen. Approachable. Number, number five. Have we all agreed tonight? That the change of circumstance occurred through obedience. Hallelujah. The change of circumstance in the life of this man occurred as a result of what? As a result of obedience. I'll read here. It says, so, he re so the Bible says, so he went down and dipped seven times. How many times? He did not dip three times. He did not dip four times. He dipped seven times. There is power in obedience. I know that God can work miracles through prayers and fasting. 
but there are many miracles recorded in the scriptures that occurred as a result of obedience. Isaiah chapter 1, the Bible says, the Bible says, if you, if you will willing and obedient, you will hit the fruit of the land. The book of Job, the Bible says, if they obey him and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Obedience. The simple obedience was the key to the deliverance of this man. He could have remained a leper all his life. But he just not just dip himself in the water. I believe, this is what I believe as I was meditating on this scripture. The, the first time he dipped, nothing happened. Second time, nothing happened. Third time, nothing happened. I mean, literally, by the time he got to the fifth time, would have been saying, but I said I didn't want to dip myself because it was considered the water of Jordan was a very dirty water. Having dipped himself the first time, the second time, the fifth time, this thing is still there. Is this man real? Dipped six times. Nothing happened. By the time he went in the seventh time. Now, how many of us know tonight agree with me? Hello? Actually, the miracle... It's not just in the water. The miracle is in the obedience. God could have healed this man the first, the first time he entered into the world. Is that not true? But God wanted to test his heart. There are things that God will do in your life to test your obedience. It is not just what you do. It is to see how much you can trust him. How much you can obey him. Waited until the seventh time. And at the seventh time, the Bible said something incredible. It says, and his flesh was restored. May the Lord restore to you today the things that have been damaged and broken in your life. As you begin to walk in obedience, God will begin to restore your life. He will begin to restore the things which you have lost. The years which the cancer has eaten away, the Lord will restore it to you. The Bible says he restored his flesh as of a little child. And it was clean. A little child. His skin became so fresh. I'm sure he came out of the, and looked at him and said, ah, ah, is this real? Why? The secret was obedience. I would say obedience. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice, the scripture says. Better than sacrifice. How many times we struggle with obedience in our lives? God is asking you to do it, but somehow in the arena resource of our hearts, we're trying to argue with him. God is in now. I call the shot. Had they tell me what happened in your life. If we walk in obedience, only heaven knows what we'll accomplish in life. I'm telling you. Only heaven knows what we'll accomplish. Our lives maybe could have been better than what we are now. If we have walked in every detail of what God has spoken to us. And God wants us to pay attention to detail. God is a God of detail. Don't do this. He wants us to abide by it. Every time we disobey. We run the risk of getting into a place where the grace of God cannot cover. They were outside of the confines of the grace and the strength of God. Number six. In verse 15, the Bible says, and he returned to the man of God. He alone is aids and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Two things I'm going to bring out of that scripture. I'm going to bring my number six and number seven from it. I noticed from that scripture that this man returned to give thanks. Ever say he returned to give thanks? There is something about a grateful heart. A grateful heart is a blessed heart. A grateful heart is an increasing heart. There is no man that is grateful that will remain low. The grateful you are, the better you are. When you will continually grateful to God, God will multiply his blessing in your life. God wants us to be grateful in the little things. I have noticed that it's so easy 
to know what we don't, to, to understand, I mean, sorry, to know what we don't have. I but the things that God has done in our lives. God wants us to worship him for what he's done. For how much he has kept us. For how much he has, you know, how much he has preserved us. A man shared a story with me. He said, I have never known in my life the blessings of God until I was sick. I think he had a typhoid or something. He was in the hospital for about three days. He said, in between those three days, he was a preacher. I mean, he's a preacher. He said, on the, by the third day, it occurred to me, after my salvation, the greatest gift that God has given to me is my health. He said, I will forever be grateful every day of my life to be strong and to be well. Hallelujah. To be strong and to be well. You don't know the value of health until something goes wrong. If it's something on the finger, then we will understand how gracious God has been to us. Our God is a great God. We need to develop a grateful heart. We need to, we need to tell him how great he is. How many times we complain about our, about our spouses? God has taught me that. In everything in my life and in the life of my spouse, I must give thanks to God. I must bless him for it. I must extol him for it. I must say, God, you are a great God. You are a beautiful father. You are a merciful God. You are so wonderful. You have done great things that is beyond my imagination. Even in the things that look, you know, that I'm not happy with, Lord, in the midst of it, I want to be grateful to you. The Bible says rejoice always. I say rejoice. Give thanks in all things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. There is no specific place the Bible speaks about prayer. It speaks about thanksgiving. We must learn to respond to God and tell him how wonderful he is. Give him thanks to God. And I also want to say this to us tonight. Never bite the fingers that fed you. That's one way to be grateful to God. Do you know that God, there are people that God has used in our lives. I'm going to start with our parents. Let's show our gratitude to them. God has taught me that. Show your gratitude to them. It might be little. There are people today who are not doing well to their parents because they, don't, they think they don't have enough. Do you know what I noticed? Our parents are not asking you to pay you back what they have done to you. They're only asking for little. Just for, you to, for them to know that indeed you honor them. Do you know when you give your parents however little a gift is, their heart will pray for you. Not because of the content or the volume of the gift, but because you remember them. Hallelujah. Because you do what? Because you remember them. Because you know they were there. They sacrificed on Abia. Being grateful. And many people, have bought, they bite the fingers that fed them. They've forgotten where they left. And this will affect all of us. We need to be grateful. We need to show a heart of gratitude in all things. Number, f- number f- seven, which is the last one I'm going to be talking about tonight, and then we'll pray. This is the key. That miracles and changes are not end in themselves. Hallelujah. They are not what? End in themselves. Whatever you have received must lead you back to God. This man said, indeed now I know there is no God. In all the earth, except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from yourself. He said, there is no God anywhere else. I will not go back to sacrifice to those idols anymore. I will sacrifice to the Lord, God of Israel. God, God's miracles in our lives are not end in themselves. The miracles are to develop a new level of relationship with God. That what he has done for one, he can do for all. That God wants to, do, wants to use the miracle he has done in your life to begin to impact the lives of others. God does not want you to be a reservoir. He wants to be a channel 
of what he has done. God, in whichever way he has blessed you, he wants to extend the hand of that blessing to somebody else. Hallelujah. And he wants to develop and cultivate a relationship with him. May the Lord bless us tonight as we begin to go back and understand the keys, the fundamentals, the principles of entering into the miraculous with God. Number one, don't forget, humility precedes exhortation. Number two, let's be careful of prejudice. Because what you don't know, God knows. You know, one of the things, lessons that I've learned in life is that what I don't understand, I keep quiet about it. There are things I don't understand. I would rather be quiet than to be judgmental about it. Number three, we need to be careful. It will affect both all colors of being, of being racial in our minds. We are better. Do you know it happens in the church? We are the better people. We have the best message. We have the, the best. It is not of God. Paul won the Corinthians church when they were talking among themselves. We are of Apollo. You are of Paul. We are of Peter. And some of us say, well, you have all of all of the people who were well for Jesus. Even they were wrong. Those who were saying were for the Lord, they were wrong. Paul said, you were, you were showing your superiority by telling the other people that you, you were for Jesus. Uh-uh. He says, I plant a pool of waters. God gives the increase. Prevent the prejudice in your life. Don't allow it. And then let's be accessible. Let's be approachable. You never know the key to the miracle of God in your life. It's going to come from an unlikely source. And you never know it. May the Lord bless us. How many of us have been blessed in tremendous ways by which we did not know? People that you never thought of. People that you never met. People that you never knew. But they just found you and they took interest because the favor of God is upon your life. Let us rise up to pray tonight. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. We're going to pray tonight. Hallelujah to the Lord. We give you praise tonight, our Father. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest,